message is about today. This is in Colossians, talking about the supremacy of Christ. It says, he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God. The divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God. The firstborn heir of all creation, for through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority, it was all created through him and for his purpose. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church, and since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. All his fullness dwelling in Christ. They are not separate. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in his fullness, dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Amen. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We know that when we've seen Jesus, when we see through Scripture, we see Jesus, we've seen the Father. This right here, there's no separate, they are one. When you've seen, when you see the life of Christ, you know what God is like. We don't have to wonder. I wonder what he's like. We've seen it. Everything you see in Christ is in the Father. Everything you see in Christ is in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us as, the, as Christ. He's the Spirit of Christ in us. And he talks to us. He's alive. And he is in union, joint, neatly fit together, grafted in. We are completely one. All of what we just read, that supremacy of Christ is in us, in unity. The, found, the founder of creation the establishers of kings and kingdoms and principalities and dominion. He is in us. And he wants to live through us and touch through us and speak through us. And we are in him. And we are in him completely. Perfect. Our relationship with God is made perfect in Christ. You're not going to add to your relationship. You're not doing anything. To, it's already been done. Jesus sealed it at the cross. We just have to realize it and come alive to that and have the eyes of our understanding be enlightened to that truth that was already established at the cross. Now we play a part. We can receive it, remember? Or we can reject it. But it's already been done. It was done before the foundations of the earth. Jesus was the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the earth. That desire of our Father to have that unity that we prayed in John 15, uh, 17, that we would have the union that the Father and the Son had. That same oneness, that same unity was Jesus' prayer for us, to have that same level of unity, of understanding, of knowing that He is in us. And we're in union with Him. This is how we fight our battles. The battle's been won. We fight from a thank you, Lord. 
Thank you for swallowing up death, hell, and the grave. Thank you for swallowing up fear and death and giving us faith and life. Thank you for swallowing disease and sickness and giving us health. By your stripes, we are healed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for taking doubt and swallowing it up and establishing faith. Thank you for swallowing anxiety and giving trust and power. We are complete in him. Complete. He's not going to have to do anything else to fix you. It's been done. We walk in that. Walk in that. Love like that. His love is in you. I used to always pray, Lord, teach me how to love like you. That's dumb. He's already in me. I just got to understand that and do it. I don't have to. It's there. I got to release it and get in that knowledge of knowing that. The Bible says you should know the truth and the truth shall set you free, right? We know it here. We read it. But it's got to get here. When you know something is when you've done it. You've applied it. You've, you've taken it, and then you do it. Then you're like, now I know. Amen? How many of you have been feeling that unity that's been going on in these small groups? And even I, we, and I guarantee, I, be, I bet you, every small group that prayed this um, last night, and that's going to pray tonight, they prayed for those who weren't even in the home groups, those who aren't doing the church on fire. There would be a unity in the family. And I believe that's a powerful prayer. We're praying what Jesus prayed. We're praying the same thing. We're in agreement. We're saying, yes, Jesus, I agree with that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, worship team. That was pretty awesome, I got to say. If you missed the first two songs, you, you, missed, you missed a blessing. Amen. That was awesome. We're so blessed to have such talent. Well, I should probably turn to my text. Those of you who need to get somewhere today, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to get there because I think I'm going to split my message in half today. <laughs> and if you're surprised by this, some songs that are played after service, I'm going to give you a heads up. I didn't, they didn't mess up. They are under my direction to play a couple Bob Marley songs. So it'll make sense after the message. If it doesn't, you can come talk to me after church and tell me that what I did was wrong. So last week in my message, I know it was very strong, and uh, there was a few people who had some questions, and um, I need you to know, to know something. As your pastor, I'm your shepherd. And as a shepherd loves his flock, he will protect his flock. When wolves come in to try to deceive and, and devour, a pastor has a rod and a staff. One's for the sheep and one's for the wolf. So... Um, as we just read that passage in Colossians, what we see in Christ, if you can't see something in, in the gospel or in a gospel that you don't see in Christ, it's another gospel. Okay, Paul, Paul preaches about that. In the last days, there will be those that come and will try to preach another gospel. So if we don't see it in Christ, 
it's a different gospel. We don't see it in Christ. We don't see it in Paul. We don't see it in Peter. They all preach that in this world, we're going to have troubles. They let us know that. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be trouble. Jesus wasn't telling us to follow him so he'd make us rich. And his last, in, in John 16, and, or actually through the middle of John 15, all the way through 16, it's all about him preparing his, his beloved and his family and his followers to let them know what they were going to be facing. And in all that passage, and, and in those last things that he's sharing to his beloved, nowhere does it say, and prosperity is going to be coming for you. So if there's a message that's being preached, and, it's out, and I'm telling you, from, if you hear a message from me, that is outside what you see in Christ, then you need to come to me and say, I need some clarification, Pastor Steve. Okay? And that's for anything that you hear. We are mature enough to chew things up and spit them out. Every once in a while, you might hear me make a mistake or this or that or, or, or another. Where I'm not getting into a legalistic thing. We should be mature enough to, to chew things up, spit them out, take the good. But when it's another gospel, you run from that. That's what Paul told Timothy, right? You run from it. So... Um, if there's any clarifications that need to be made, um, I'm totally open to hear. Um, um, if there's anyone that has a question about last week's message, or you can call me or text me or let me know today, and we'll try to set a time. If there's a bunch, then I'd probably like to do it all in one shot. So we'll, we'll land on one time, and we'll, I'll show you some things that I've seen that maybe you haven't seen. So, so hopefully you'll trust me as your shepherd. I do love you, and I, I will at times um, say some things that may be a little sharp, or maybe you're not... Um, you're not in knowledge of. Amen? But, it's, but as a shepherd, I'm to love you. I'm to protect you too. Amen? All right. So, tra uh, traveling on in our journey through the, the Sermon on the Mount, um, the title of this message is Don't Worry About the Small Stuff. It's all small stuff. Right? You've heard that said in many different ways. Don't sweat the small stuff. You know. But don't worry. We're talking about worry today, and this is what Jesus has us uh, going through his message and sermon. Don't worry about the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. Forgive me, I'm going to probably be doing this a lot today because my mouth is like cotton. I'm going to read my introduction here. In, the, in this passage, we see Jesus show that the love of wealth, and our passage is Matthew 6, 25 through 34, and then we're going to read it after this. I think after I give this introduction, it'll probably speak a little more to what, what the passage says. So in this passage, we see Jesus show that the love of wealth, storing it up, and concern to provide for the future grew from their lack of faith. Their concern to provide for the future grew from their lack of faith. In this, they acted like the pagans who had no heavenly father to provide for them. Think about that. When we get so concerned with storing up and stacking up, we become like pagans or those who are unbelievers. We're not trusting in our Father. When the Pharisees had stored up wealth, they forgot to trust God for their daily needs and were so concerned for their future. Their answer to that was to store up more and make their future secure. But Jesus said plainly, do not worry about your life. Put him first and trust him and he would take care of everything. This, now hear me, this is, this is important. This does not mean that Christians are not to plan or provide for their future or their families. The Bible teaches that anyone who does not work or serve does not deserve to eat. So I know there's like, and I, I've seen quite a bit of it, and, and I'm not trying to pick on some of the younger generation, but um, I've seen some pretty um, 
righteous, holy, young, younger folks in my time as a youth pastor, and they get a little older in the 20s, and they're just like, oh my gosh, God's calling me, and like, that's great, praise the Lord, and then they're like, I need to just, God's calling me to just bask in his presence. I'm just, I, they're not working, just seeking the Lord, and oh my gosh, I'm getting all these revelations and all these things, and, da, da. and I'm like, bro, um, the church is like, everyone in the church is giving money so that you can bask in the glory of God. I know, but this is what God's calling me to. I said, no, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says you don't work, you don't eat. Like, no, you're still to work. Like, God hasn't called you. No, I feel, I'm pretty positive that you're missing it. When everyone else is having to support you so that you cannot work, so that you can just stay at home and bask in his presence, and this is my, my calling. No, you're to provide. You, you don't get to, the Bible says those who don't provide for their families are worse than unbelievers. They're like the pagans. They're like, that's not good. That's not, that's not a title you want to have. So we are to provide. We're just not to let our provisions and our, and our accumulations begin to stack up and it becomes our care and our concern. Amen? And God will use, thank God he uses men and women of God to, um, he blesses them in business. He, he, he gives people visions to, you should start a business. You should create something. And then they, they make a lot of money and their heart is to give. And they support all kinds of beautiful ministries around the world. And they start, and, they, and, they're, and it's God's kingdom funding his hand moving. And, th and that is his design. And that's a beautiful thing. But you have to be careful. With, and it, it doesn't matter if it's a preacher. It doesn't matter how close you are to God. When a bunch of that starts coming and the success starts coming, you have to humble yourself. Amen. Because it is very easy to start going in a direction. And that's what's happened, honestly, with a lot of the, 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 the pastors and preachers or televangelists that I was talking about last week. Many of them started on the right ground, on solid ground, and just started gradually going off. And then what happens, there's so much, you have so much overhead and so much things that are, have to be funded, then you take your, your I, have to ha I have to keep this going, I have to, and you get out of the Lord providing for you that you're having to manipulate and make it happen for yourself, okay? So we don't want to do that. So we are to work, we're to provide. The Bible also teaches that a believer that does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. Now, I want to talk about some words here. The word worry comes from the Greek word merimnao, merimnano. That's how it's pronounced. It's from the word merizo, and that word means to divide into parts. Worry is to divide into parts. And when I, when I began to, to let that sink into my head, I seemed like um, an enemy, because God doesn't bring worry, um, the enemy using to chopping people up, chopping us up into parts. It's to divide into parts. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The word suggests also a distraction, a preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress, and pressure. How many of you been there? Under worry. This is the same word used in the parable of the sower. Remember in the, the, the parable of the sower, Jesus is saying is that the sower comes and, and he gives, he scatters seed and the seeds of the gospel and the soil is the heart. And some, some seed falls on hard ground, some seed the birds come and steal away, some sprouts up quickly, some comes up in the, the cares of this world, that's meremo. It says it chokes it out. It chokes it out. That's what worry and anxiety does. How many of you felt that? Like there's a choking, there's a constricting on you. 
That is, that is the same word in the parable of the sower. The illustration of the soil that heard, they, there was, they heard, this is what's kind of interesting, that the soil, which represents the people, they heard and believed. They heard and they believed. That's Christians. They heard and believed. But the cares of the world, the worries, grew up and choked out the word, choked out the truth. I did a, a non-biblical a non study. Um, the Huffington Post, or the Huff Post, did a story in August 2015 about worry. Listen to this closely. This will blow your mind. They discovered 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. 85% of studies of what people, what we all worry about, never happens. Now listen, it gets even better. So that leaves 15%. And with the 15% that, that it did happen... 79% of those subjects discovered either they could handle the difficulty better than expected or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. So I did the math, <laughs> which means there is a 3.15% chance of what you worry about is really going to happen or affect you negatively. 3.15%. Now, if you can give me odds like that, I would become a gambler. <laughs> you give me 3.15% odds, I'm with that. Like, we're good, right? That settles it. So that's just a, a thing that we can look about. Like, this is, this is a study that's been done, and 85% and never happens. Of the 15%, except for 3.5%, it's never as bad, and we find out that actually, oh, that was good. It turned out good. So when worry starts to come, I want you to remember that. Getting into the message. Well, let's read our text. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. I wasn't planning on reading it in this translation, but what the heck, I brought it. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing. Look at all the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food. Yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Listen, church, aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they? So which of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil. And, you're not, and yet not Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the meadows with hay, which is here for such a short time, and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need? Even though you live with such little faith. So then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? And that, that's just your, your, your basic provisions of life that are needed to sustain life. Why would you worry about that? Well, because it's the actual things that we need to sustain life. Jesus is like, your father is going to take care of you. So why would you worry about such things? For this is what the unbelievers chase after. 
Oh, I'm sorry. So then forsake your worries, verse 31. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Amen. So point one, the first thing that Jesus said to not worry about, and that worry um, is inter, it's interchanged with anxious. Some trans, it's don't be anxious, don't worry. So first point is do not be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious. And I know it's as, as human beings, and especially as um, providers, that's uh, when you first, you know, you first get married as husbands. I remember that, whoa, there's this pressure now, like, you know, when it's just you, you can take care of yourself. You're like, whatever. I mean, if I had to sleep under a bridge, I can handle that. If I had to just sleep out in the woods, no problem. Like, if worst thing came to worst, we can deal with this. I can catch some fish. I can kill a deer. We can make it happen. But then you have, like, a wife and the responsibility of that, like, she's not going to be cool with that. <laughs> I mean, there's, that's not going to fly. I'm probably going to stay single. Um, so you have this, this, like, whoa, now I'm responsible for someone else. And then you have that again when you have your first child. As a, you're like, oh, whoa. But something magical happens after the first one. You're like, well, they survived. <laughs> you really don't think about it much anymore. You're just like, oh, okay, that, that seems to be working all right. We'll, we'll, we'll make this work. So, so that worry kind of leaves and that anxiety. But it is a normal thing. And Jesus is saying, like, once he comes into union with us, once we've experienced that God the Father is in him and he is in us, we're good. We're really good. Like, we're more than good. Amen? So, so Jesus lets us know that real life is more than food, drink, and clothes. You see, we, it's so easy for us to, to, just, to be earthly-minded. Jesus wants us to get like, look, I've got the earthly stuff covered. I need you to be heavenly-minded. I need you to get your eyes off the natural. And let's, let's come into the supernatural realm where I play, where I, I'm, all, I'm in the natural but I want you to get into the supernatural. Amen? This is where you should, your concerns, concerns should be. True life depends, and here's the reality. Our natural true life depends on him and his word. It's been established. He has spoken it in. It is, it is all dependent on him. It's all dependent on, it's not, this world, if I die, is going to keep functioning as it always has. It is not dependent on me. We think we're so much, we're not. We are so not. Nothing's going to change. There may be a couple sad faces. There may be a few that are happy. But the, the sun's going to come up. The sun's going to go down. The world's going to keep spinning on its axis. Nothing's going to change. You are more than a physical being. Amen? You're more than a physical being. You're an eternal being. Now, Jesus comes and he meets this, the lady at Samaria. We'll call her Sam. We, we went to a conference a couple years ago and the lady said, Jesus met this woman, Sam. And I loved it. So Jesus meets Sam and they're at a well 
And Jesus is, is doing some, she's, she's stuck in the natural. She's stuck in the natural. And Jesus has to elevate her from the natural into the supernatural. And he, he's telling her, so listen, I'm not going to go through the whole text, but I'm going to take a couple verses and then jump probably 20. And I want you to pick up on something, though. John 4, 13 through 14. If it's, if it's up there, you can follow with me. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. This water was the natural. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now, he goes on with Sam, and then the disciples show up in John 4, 31 through 34. Now, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replies, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. They honestly go back to the flesh. Did somebody buy him food while we were gone? <laughs> right? They're in the natural. The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Doing the will of God and from finishing his work. That's where his nourishment came. It was a different nourishment than our natural. Oftentimes, we are, we're on the natural plane, and he is up on a little higher plane of like, lift your eyes, lift your ears. I want to I show you something deeper, amen? In this passage, Jesus shares the ability to take care of the birds that cannot take care of themselves. Isn't that neat? I love that he goes, look at these little birds. They don't, they don't store up. They don't have barns. You ever notice that? Like birds, they have a nest, but they go out every day. They go out every day. They get what they need, they come back. The next day, they get what they need, they come back. He says, I take care of them. And you know what's cool? Those little birds, they sing God's glory all day long. They're testifying of God's goodness all day long. You hear them. They're still alive. He's providing for them. I think that's a cool thing. They witness to the goodness of God every single day. And he says, you're my children. And you're far more valuable than, than birds. I have my son. I gave my son for you. Here's your value. I gave my son for you. I gave my son for you. You're created in my image. He goes off the birds, all these other things. Like, we need to understand, we're created in his image. We are the apple of his eye. Any, there's nothing in creation that doesn't, when we say, he, he goes, huh? I don't want to miss what they're saying. Like, we are so connected. We're different than every other, because we're created in his image. And we are so valuable. He sent his son to restore the relationship that he intended with Adam. Amen. We are valuable to God. If he's taking care of birds like that, he's clothing flowers like that, we're good. Amen. We're good. Amen? That's what Jesus wants us to see. Point two. Can worrying and being anxious or fearful planning... Now, later on in the passage, there's good planning. But I wanted to change... Worrying, being anxious, or fearful planning change anything? Can worrying, being anxious, or fearful planning change anything? What do you think? 
Well, let me tell you what it changes. It changes your health. Worrying and being anxious and fearful planning changes a lot of things, actually. Your health will be negatively affected. I know when I've been under a lot of stress and, and uh, there's been times, how many's ever felt like that sharp pain in your chest? <laughs> I've had that before. You know, I've had that, and it's like, ooh, there's way too much pressure going on. And, or, uh, well, there's some other instances that we'll get to, but, um, but really, I mean, here, here's, here's the truth of America. And I believe a lot of it comes because of our pursuit of, of uh, to be rich, to accumulate stuff. We become under a lot of pressure and stress. Here's, here's something that most of the rest of the world do, does not have. 40 million Americans are on medications for anxiety. The richest country in the world. One in six. One in six Americans are struggling with anxiety or depression more than any other country in the world. So it's not the riches that are doing it for us. Here's what fear and worry do. And, and, and if you were taking medication, I'm not against you. This is just, this is just truth, that, that there is, there's some things that are askew when we're not in line and in relationship and in knowledge of our Savior, of who God really is. When, he, when we're not, the truth hasn't become known, and it hasn't set us free. These are the things that happen. And I, and I do understand that with some, there's... Um, there's, there's, we're holistic. We're holistic. There, there's a natural side, there's a spiritual side, and then we have emotions and soul. So they're all connected, and they all will affect one another. So there are times that you need to address a physical need. It's no different that if I sprain my knee, I might, I might need to go get some work done on that. But I am not going to need that for the rest of my life. Does that make sense? There's also a spiritual healing that has to happen, and, and those will affect... One will affect the other. God made us that way. We're holistic. How many has been sick and all of a sudden you start getting in the blues? You're just like, oh, I haven't been outside. I haven't. You just start feeling that coming on. Well, that was, it's affecting your, your physical, but it's also affecting your soul and your spirit. Amen? And, and we can go through all of them. They all, they all work the same. Carrying worry and being anxious will, will affect your ability to be as productive as you could be. It, it affects productivity every time because you spend so much time thinking and worrying about all this other stuff instead of doing. And you become fearful to do. You become fearful to, to accomplish. And every one of this, it's not saying a blanket statement for everybody, but this is the majority, okay? Carrying worry and being anxious or fearful will affect your ability to have healthy relationships. It will affect your ability to have health. It will affect your ability to have the unity that God is wanting to have through us. Amen? How many know when you're carrying worry and you're anxious and you're fearful? I mean, I know when I'm in, in those situations, um, when something doesn't just go perfectly right or something's not, it could heap up in a couple different directions. You can be like, even going further down or all of a sudden you may like blow up. You'll just, oh my gosh, this, and people are like, what is the deal? Like, this will, I will find this very quickly in driving. 
that is still like, there's, I'm getting so much better in a lot of areas. Like even something happened yesterday and it did frustrate me. And I had a pretty good reason to be frustrated. You know, when you, when you, got, when you got young boys, they will present opportunities for like, what were you thinking? Are you serious? Like, oh my Lord. Um, but we worked through it, praise the Lord. Um, and I'm getting a lot better in that one. But man, I'll tell you, the driving one, is, that's still like, if, if my driving spirit, if there was such a thing, if that dude would get saved, it would be awesome. <laughs> I, would, I could be having just this beautiful time with the Lord. And then like, if I just walked every, maybe that's the key. I don't know. Maybe I need to get rid of cars. But um, I'm a lot happier in my motorcycle. Maybe there's something to that. But man, that's like a, still like a struggle. I'm like, Lord. But it's way worse when I'm carrying stress, worry, fear. Oh, my Lord. You see, I mean, you'll see people like these. There's people getting out of cars and beating on people and shooting one. Like, I guarantee you they're under a lot of stress. They're, there's, they're, not, they're not offloading things. They're under a yoke that was never intended for them. Amen? So it will affect your relationships. And, and that way, like, people will not want to be around you because you're like, who knows what might happen? Or because you're so down and you're... And you're that you're bringing other people down. So then people start distancing themselves. And they're like, man, I don't know. Like every time it's like, like, just like it will affect your relationships. And you get to spots where you don't even, you don't want to be around people no more. You don't want to be around them. Those are the, the dark sides of fear and anxiety and worry. The biggest problem is it affects seriously, majorly, your ability to trust God. Fear and the worry is the, is the thief of faith. Fear and doubt and worry, it, it, it robs our faith. It steals our faith, and, and, the, and Satan loves it. He will bring every, he's constantly trying to bring words of worry and plant seeds of worry in our life because it disarms and destroys our faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he's coming hard against that. It was, and listen, I hope you hear me. It was and is the practice of the heathen to be anxious and worried about life and their future. That's an alarming statement. Like when we find ourselves, and, and listen, there's times when stuff happens and you go, oh no, like what in the world? That doesn't mean you're in sin or anything else. Like you, you rationally, like the Holy Spirit will come in and you start speaking truth and you're like, oh, we're okay, we got that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you're meditating on it and you're, you start taking action in fear. Like you heard about the, um, you know, the, the missiles that were, that were fired and we killed that terrorist. And then Iran tried, you go out and start building a bunker in your backyard and like, you know, like storing up, spending all your finances, selling cars to fill it full of like rations and like wearing a funny antenna. And <laughs> you may have went too far. Like, that's what I'm talking about, okay? Like, but being concerned, there's a difference between concern and worry, and we'll get to that later. But when, it, when it's affecting your ability to trust God, that's, that's a major, major issue. Like, God's faithful. God's faithful. He's faithful, period. Nothing you can do will change that. God's faithful. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 says it this way. Everyone repeat this, the first four words. Don't worry about anything. Let's say that again. Don't worry about anything. Say it again. 
Don't worry about anything. That's pretty clear. <laughs> That's God's word. Is his word true? What is he saying to don't do? Anything. I mean, he covers it. Anything. There's never, like, we'll never be able to bring an excuse to the Lord with, with why you were worrying. He's like, I thought I told you not to worry about anything. <laughs> right? I mean, if you were a father speaking to your kids, and they're like, but dad, he's like, I thought I told you not to touch anything. <laughs> they go in the store and they say, well, I thought I could, no, I thought I told you not to touch anything. Right. I mean, anything covers it. <laughs> right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Lord, teach us how to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And look at this. This should, I didn't, if there was a way to make that bold, I did on my notes. Tell God about everything. Thank him for all he's done. Here is such a beautiful key. When you start to freak out about stuff, begin to pray and then thank him for all the things he's already done. When you start doing that, there's a peace that comes. It's just like, oh, man, you've been so faithful. So far. You've been faithful for a long time. You got this. I'm going to rest in you. I'm going to take the day off. I'm just going to take the day off. You got this. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Boy, ain't that the truth. Have you ever experienced God's peace in the midst of something that's like, it is, it should, you should not have peace. And people around you are like, what's wrong with you? Don't you know? Yeah, I do. You just have peace. Like, that is the most amazing, I love that. Like, that's, that's a, that's a, I mean, peace is in us. His name is Jesus. He is in us. It's not like, I got to get peace. You have it. He's in you. You need to open your eyes to it. You need to call it out and say, thank you for your peace, Lord. Amen? His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you what? Live in Christ Jesus. <laughs> this whole thing hinges on as you live in Christ Jesus. How are we to live? In Christ, through Christ. When I'm outside of Christ, there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no love, there's stress, worry, fear. In Christ, I have peace, I have joy, I have hope, I have love. See, all those things, before Christ, fear, worry, it got swallowed. He swallowed it up at the cross. He consumed it. He exchanged. Remember the exchange? Our sin and all those things, the worry, the fear that was exchanged for his life that came into us. So it's not even our peace. It's his divine, divine peace, Amen. divine joy. The person of joy, that is Christ, is in me. The person of joy living out of me. You guys are asleep because this is way better than you're... you're <laughs> Are you all right? Like, you sh this is good. <laughs> like, I don't know. When I was like getting, I'm like, woo! Oh, my Lord. This changes everything. Like, this in Christ thing, I've been, I know you've been hearing me say, but it has jacked me up <laughs> in such an awesome way. We heard it like, remember when you're little, you know, Jesus lives in my heart. 
No, I'm consumed. I'm in him. And he's in me. Like, ridiculously. I need to live out of him. It changes everything. Like, that's so radical what Jesus did, just coming into the earth. And then he did some crazy cool stuff at the cross. Our relationship with God is perfected. Perfected through Christ. You never have to wonder, like, is, am I good with it? It's perfected. Don't be anxious and don't be worried about your life and your future. Live in Christ. First, Second Timothy 1 and 7. For God, now who? I, I, for God has given. For God has given. Us, a, God has not, my bad. Someone should have stopped me because that was like a big word there. Not. <laughs> Come on, you guys. You guys were just swallowing that down. <laughs> for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So if God has not given us a spirit of fear, who has? That's alarming. If God has not given it to us, then who has, right? I mean, we've got to ask these questions. Who's given that to us? So we have the ability to do this or go, no, thank you. Amen. You have the ability to actually do this or go, whack. <laughs> like, no, thank you. Like, take that crap back. I'm knocking that out of your hand. Get behind me, dude. I'm going this way. Like, that's what you've got to deal with that. It, you don't play with it. You don't coddle it. You don't hold hands with it. You beat it up. You stomp on it. You put a mud hole in it. That's what you do with that. If God hasn't given it to you, then I don't want it. It's either from him or it's from my enemy. What do you want from your enemy? Then don't receive it. Don't receive it. We have the ability. If we have the mind of Christ, it's easy to identify. It's very, and he will tell us early on. That's not for me. Don't meditate on that. Amen? Okay, so the difference, this is a good, if you're taking notes, I would write this down. The difference between worry, anxiety, and genuine concern, okay? What's the difference? Worry, anxiety, and genuine concern. I'm glad you asked. That's a great question. <laughs> worry immobilizes. Worry immobilizes. Concerns move you to action. Concerns move you to action. I remember when the Butte fire happened. And I've shared the story, I think, at least one other time. There was this one side of our house on Thornercroft had buckbrush, like right up to the fence line. And we lived in a river canyon. And when out in these neck of woods, the only thing I was ever worried about was fire. So all of our properties, we always had a big, big clearance. When the Butte fire happened, I didn't get worried, but there was a healthy concern. So what did I do? Did I stay in the house and lock myself down? And No, me and the kids went out 
and we want a buck brush trimming party. And we got all the buck brush for like, I don't know, 40 feet or a long ways and got all that cleared out. There was a concern. Concern moves to action. That's healthy. But anxiety and fear, it immobilizes. And how many's been, how many's been immobilized like that? How many's been like, I remember as a little kid, like fear would get such a grip when, it would, when I was a little child and, and, and that demonic, dark spirit would come up. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. It immobilized, it gripped power. It was constricting. Or you've ever been bullied. Someone comes and they're just, and you, well, you're immobilized. And people go, well, why didn't you do anything? That wasn't just that. There was a spirit. But concern moves you to action. How many of you have ever had concerns and you're like, you know what, we need to do that. And then you go and you do it. That's healthy. That's good. God will speak to us in those things. And that we, we, we need to have concerns of all kinds of things, but our wealth it really isn't one of them. Concerns for the lost. Okay, well, then what are we going to do with that? It moves to action. Amen? That worked out pretty good. We got a couple more points that we're not going to hit today. This will be a to be continued, so you're not going to want to miss next week because really the good stuff is next week. <laughs> no, really, you guys got all the good stuff. I wouldn't come next week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I usually try to backload the message to where the, the end is like, yay, right? I mean, you kind of get the, and then you leave on a good note. That's why we're going to have some Bob Marley playing when we leave today. <laughs> I would encourage you at least stick around through the first song, hang out together, love on one another. If, if there's some prayer and some things, we can do that. God will still hear us listening to Bob Marley. I promise you. He's awesome. Huh. So Proverbs 12:25 says, worry... This is Proverbs 12. Worry weighs a person down. Worry weighs a person down. An encouraging word cheers a person up. You know that some of us could do so many amazing things with just an encouraging word. When you have one in six Americans, Americans struggling in this area, you know what we could do to our community? You know what you could do to those around by an encouraging word? Worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word lifts a person up. Who wants to be a lifter? Amen. You know, a lifter. Go and speak an encouraging word. When you're, especially when you're in the public. I mean, it, it would be really awesome if we practiced it in the, our family. That would be so awesome. And we do pretty good. But there's room for growth, just saying. And I can grow in that area myself. Encouraging words. Who who is ever like upset when someone says that? Like says an encouraging word to you. Have you ever been like, you know, they're such a jerk? <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened. I cannot like someone and they give you an encouraging word, you're like, you know, they're not so bad. You know, I, I kind of like them. <laughs> so if you're having a lot of trouble with people, encouraging words might be some some little bridge bridge some gaps, amen. But I would encourage you on Sundays especially. On Sundays especially, when you go outside the church and you go to a restaurant, you go eat, or you go have interactions in the public, not just on Sundays, but I would say, be on your A game on Sunday. Give your, your, your waitress or your waiter an encouraging word. Tip them well. They're, it's pretty obvious that you're a Christian. Well, 
We hope it's obvious. <laughs> we hope it's obvious. Love on them. Give them an encouraging word. Be a blessing. Like, we want to be the type of people, when they wait or serve on us, that they're like, man, they were neat. I really, I really like that couple. You want to be able like, they go home and they tell someone about that, that encounter you had. And not because it was like, dude, you wouldn't believe this family we had. They were asking for every little thing, and na-da-na-da-na, they weren't happy, and then they just left a dollar tip. <laughs> That's not Christ-like. You don't see that in Christ. Generosity was in Christ. Amen. He's a giver. You don't see that in Jesus, so that's a different gospel. The gospel of stingy. You're not to be, there's, there's, that's not Jesus. <laughs> I almost, I'm going to keep rolling. That was wisdom right there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is the last verse I'm going to share today, and we're going to close. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Casting all your anxieties. It's like flinging. We did this with our youth up in the Bear River. At the end of our youth uh, camp, we put on a camp, and we took, they had these two pieces. You guys seen the two-person, um, like, slingshots? You have one out here and one on the other, and they have that pocket, and you just, oh, my gosh. So we took, uh, throughout the week, we just spent time in the Lord and prayed and, and gave each one of them something. And, and uh, we went to the dam on Bear River, and just spent some time in worship, and then they, they, they got rocks. I had them all go climb a rock and then write on it what it was. And then we launched them. And I, it was into the sea of forgetfulness. I said, you'll never be able to go and find that rock again. You'll never be able to go and pull that back up. And we launched those things. And it was such a powerful time. You could just, oh, there was just like, it's gone. Cast, fling, all. That's kind of like that. Anything, don't touch anything, all-encompassing, all your cares on him, all of them, all of them on him, all of them on him, because he so cares for you, church. He so loves you. He so loves you. You are, you, sh you should be, Holy Spirit, consume him with your love right now. Let him feel your love. You are so loved. He cares so much for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's how he devours us, that worry and anxiety and fear. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Get your mind right. Get your mind up on Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Because you have an adversary, he's out to kill you. He's out to destroy you. His word said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. Consider the lilies. They don't work. They don't spin. They just, they're beautiful. And they're gone. God takes such care and, and beauty to see that happen. And then the birds, they don't stoil. They're not worried. They're, Every single day they're provided for. How much more does your God love you? His children. You're his children. He has, he has given his son to reconnect that relationship. Humanity and divinity. We're in, created in his image. We have the mind of Christ. Everything you see in Christ is in us. The authority of Christ was given to us. 
We're not God. We're not Christ. But we are grafted into him, and he is grafted into us. There's, if we don't see it in Christ, it shouldn't be in us. You didn't see Jesus walking around worried. You didn't see him in fear. There was concern, and it moved him to action. Amen? I will... Um, why don't you go ahead, Steph, and just quiet that. David, if you put the song on, and I'm just going to talk for a little bit. Now, you watch what just... There, here's a, something that we are going to do. It's just a song, but you have an ability to do some things. I wanted you to see this. Just put some music on. What it does to your spirit, what it does to your attitude. Oh, look at these smiles. Now, in all seriousness, if someone has a need and you need prayer, I'd love to pray for you. I'm not worried. I'm not. It's all those things that we need are easy for Jesus. Don't worry. When's it a good time to worry? What does it profit us? Nothing. Amen. David, turn it up a little bit, buddy. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to the whole song, and then you can be dismissed. I wrote 
I hope you learned it note for note like good little children. Don't worry. Be happy. Listen to what I say. In your life, expect some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Don't worry, be happy. Ooh.